we've been talking about what will make a man or woman fall away from the faith. The Bible is very explicit because it tells us that in the last times, I love the Bible. People say, well, why do you believe the Bible? Because the Bible has never been wrong. You know, Nostradamus did a lot of predictions, and sometimes he was wrong. You know, George Orwell wrote the book 1984, and then that happened in 1984. You know, Prince Son of Son, 1999, and then that happened in 1999. But do you know the Bible has never been wrong? How many of y'all remember Y2K? Y'all remember that? How many of y'all remember? You was in there getting batteries and water like everybody else. Yeah. And what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. They told us, you know, all the computers are going to freeze up, and, and when it turns to zero, 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 and 99, it's going, it's, you know, all that. It did not happen. But the reason I love the Bible is because the Bible has been accurate every single prediction. And he said, Jesus uh, uh, said things in, if you ever want to learn about what's going to happen or what's happening now, 2,000 years ago in Matthew 24, the whole chapter, Jesus talked about what would be happening now. It was 2,000 years ago. It's pretty accurate. You need to go back and read it. Uh, you can go read Mark chapter 13, Mark, the whole chapter, same thing. It was called the Olivet Discourse because they said what's going to be happening at the end of the time and the end of the world and the end of the age. And he's talking. If you read it, it's like, oh, my God, we're living in it. And then uh, uh, Luke chapter 19 and Luke chapter 21, all right? So you go back and read some of that, and you, you'll see that the Bible was true. And then Paul picks it up in the book of uh, 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 1, and he talks about there will be many who will fall away. I'm going to read this, and then they're going to show this video that we showed this morning. Listen to this. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, it says, And the Holy Spirit speaks distinctly and expressly and declares that in the last days or the latter times, some will turn from the faith. Give, so that means people who were once Christians. Now, uh, we, were, we went to Alusia, Analusia, what was that? Analusia, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Alabama, with Miss, Miss Brenda, the lady who cooks on YouTube. And uh, we, we were able to meet her. But there were some, some other people there, and they were so concerned because they were in the United Methodist Church. And there's some stuff, have, have y'all heard about this? whole United Methodist Church splitting, 700 churches done left, right? And people leaving the church, people leaving the denomination over the LGBT stuff and all of that. But listen, it says that some, so that means people who were once in the faith, we've never had this before, never in history. Oh, this stuff ain't going, no, this has never happened. That's what we're seeing now. It said the people who were with God in the church, with the faith, and a lot of times some would depart from the faith, giving heed to deluding and seducing spirits, doctrines of demons, doctrines that demons will teach, through the hypocrisy and pretensions of liars whose consciences are seared, seared like a hot iron. So, you know, whenever uh, these pastors or somebody get caught in something, you know, the question is always, how could they do that? How could they do that? Well, because their conscience is seared. The Bible said it. And that there would be a group of people in the last days who were Christians, who knew God, who would turn so far away from God that they could do some egregious things that you couldn't even think of. The Bible says it's, it's even a shame to speak of what they do in secret. All right? So 
I want y'all to see this, this news report from CBN, and then we'll, we'll get into this. It won't be long. Remember the old REM song, Losing My Religion? Well, an increasing number of Americans are changing their religion. A public religion research institute survey found that nearly one out of four Americans said they'd either changed their religious traditions or denominations within their lifetime or recently. That's up by 50% over 2021. More than half said they switched because they stopped believing in the teachings of the faith that they followed. 39% of those without religious affiliation said they left the Catholic Church. 28% said they'd been in a non-evangelical Protestant church. And no surprise here, but younger people, those of Generation Z, are shunning religion or switching faster than other Americans. But there is good news. The American Bible Society reports that with the COVID pandemic emergency now over, more Americans are returning to church. Their survey out this month found that 67% of church attendees are now attending services in person. That compares to only 38% in 2021. And Generation Zers, the largest group shunning or changing their religion, is now the largest group ditching online services for in-person attendance. In-church attendance for them is up from 52% in 2022 to 72% today. Folks, what this means to me is that people are changing their religion because they're not finding what they need. They're searching for the truth. And for Christians who walk the walk, not just talk the talk once they leave the church building. They want to know and experience genuine faith. Let's make sure we take the time and effort to introduce them to Jesus, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on the CBN News and NRB channel. All right, so... We, we've been talking about for the last weeks why a man or woman would fall away from the faith. Acts 20 and 24, this is my theme scripture for my life, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, the passage we just read, the Lord tells us distinctly, the Holy Spirit tells us distinctly that people will leave the faith. I have not in my lifetime seen more confused people who say they love God, but you start talking to them about what they believe. Um, and it's so confusing. Even people who are Christians, they believe in reincarnation. It could be possible. They believe that maybe there's not a hell. Maybe there's not a heaven. They go to church, they identify as a Christian. They believe in burning sage. And I get mad when people start burning sage because, you know, my mommy's put sage in dressing. I think sage going dressing. Somebody say amen. Used to eat sage, now they're burning it and doing all this spiritually weird stuff that we've never done, never done, never done, never done, never done, never did this stuff. And we're chanting now. And we're in the lotus position. And we don't know that that's Eastern mysticism. And we're doing all kind of things to try to reach God, yet we don't understand that at the same time that we're doing all of these ad
repetitive, ancillary things to try to be spiritual and reach God that we are actually leaving God. The Bible says that many will depart from the faith. And Jesus said very clearly, no man can serve two masters. Somebody say amen to that. And so you got to really decide who, what Bernie Mac say? Y'all remember? Who, who you with? Right. You got, you got to decide. Because I know, and I've been married to this woman for 32 years. I've known her since I was 15. Uh, that's, that's a long time. I can't even do the math on that. What's that? 35 years? Something? More than 35 years. And I, I mean, if I came home and I was like, well, babe, you know, uh, I don't know, Susie over here, she look good, and I'm torn between the two. You know what she's going to say? She's going to say, deuces. Say, you can have Susie. Somebody say amen. One of the first commandments, Ten Commandments, is, you know, God said, I am a jealous God. Say, don't have any other gods beside me. Somebody say amen to that. So we got people departing from the faith because there's competing interests, there's other gods, there's other things that we're doing that has nothing to do with God, but we say it makes us spiritual. We're burning sage, we're chanting in the lotus position, we're praying to the east and going to Mecca. We're, doing, we're mixing, and like all, all of a sudden, there's this gumbo of belief systems in the body of Christ, and nobody really knows what they believe anymore. And then when you get into even more of the moral stuff, and we don't, nobody knows if a boy is a boy or a girl is a girl, or if, if, you know, being married to a man is cool or being married to a woman is cool. I mean, nobody knows any of this no more because we have, some people have departed from the faith. So we talked about it last week and we talked about it the week before. There's only really three reasons why people depart from the faith. And uh, it's found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Look at what it says. And I mean, it's amazing now. I can't believe that even we, this scripture's in the Bible because when you see some of our pastors and some of our gospel artists and, and, and you know, all kind of people, we, this, how can this apply? How can they be walking this out? Look at 1 John 2 and 15. It says, love not the world, neither, love not the world. Y'all see this? Love not the world. It's not talking about how God so loved the world because he loved everybody in the world. It's talking about the world systems, the things of the world, the, the, the industries of the world, the kingdoms of this world. It said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world. So people talk about, well, Jesus is all about love. God is all about love. Religion is all about love. But it's not just all about love. Which love? Somebody say amen. Because you can be loving the wrong stuff. Hello? And the Bible is very clear. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world. Oh, my God. How clear is this? Huh? It's very clear to me. <laughs> or is this a parable? Or is this an allegory? Like, you know, the Bible is allegorical. I'm, this is not allegorical right here. Is this clear? If any, everybody say if. It's conditional. If, if, if any man love the world, oh, listen to this. The love of the Father is not in it. 
So what has happened in the modern church is, uh, and I'm, I'm uh, MIT's, I'm keeping it one and two, but what has happened in the modern church is this, that people have brought the world in, mixed the world, huh? Having 50 Elvis parties in the church. Yeah, that's a little harmless rock and roll. You know, they called Elvis, Elvis the pelvis back in the 50s. He brought sexualized dancing to, I mean, he did. He advanced the kingdom of darkness. He did. He just did. We have the, the Michael Jackson 80s parties at the black churches. Y'all, yeah, bringing the world in. I don't, get, I don't get no amens on that. I don't care if you say amen. Can we read the Bible? If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. Huh? You think you'll ever get pictures of me at a pub daddy party? Okay, that's all I want to know. I want to be in the pub, pub daddy? My God. For all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, sexual things, right? Appetites. Not only sex, you know. Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to be easy on myself. Hello? I'm losing weight. Why do you think I had to lose weight, though? I had an appetite problem, right? That's the lesson of flesh. Overeating, overdrinking, addicted to food, addicted to alcohol, addicted to whatever it is of the flesh, right? Yeah. So the lust of the, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, covetousness, wanting what somebody else has, and the pride of life. Those are the three things that, those are the three reasons why people are leaving the church. Why? Because number one, the church is not really addressing these issues. Hello? Yeah. People come to church and, and we tell everybody, well, you okay, you okay, you okay. So if everybody's okay, then why we need to come to church? What you need Jesus for is that everything you're doing is okay. But I thank God, y'all, I was talking in the, the, the uh, morning class about this. Y'all, there's, there's, there's a group of young people. Did y'all see the young people statistic over there that they're going back to church? There's a group of young people that are starting to rebel against the rebellion. Y'all, think about it. It's no fun. Like, y'all, you know, in, in the 80s and 90s, I grew up, my mom's generation, they would give the kids condoms and say, if you're going to have sex, go use it. Now, do you know, and I think my mom did that one time, so, do you know that box of condoms stayed up on the refrigerator? What kid wants to use some condoms that their mama gave them? I rebelled against that. Somebody say amen. So now the government and the school system is saying, you can change your sex, you can be gay, whatever. The, the, the school system and the government said, hey, man, you know, uh, smoking weed is legal. Doing shrooms is legal. Doing drugs is legal. So all the stuff that was wrong, that's calling it right. So now we got a new generation that's saying, well, man, ain't no fun rebellion because they telling us what, what we're doing is right. So we got to do right to rebel against the wrong that they're teaching us to do. And that's where it is. And it's swinging back. The pendulum's swinging back, yo. Yeah. Young people are like, nah, man, we want to get married. <laughs> Young people are like, nah, nah, man, I ain't smoking weed. My son uh, went to North Shore, and he, I, was, I was talking to him, I said, man, everybody just going to be over there smoking weed. He graduated in 2016, so 
He said, no, nah, it's a whole group of young men like, man, I ain't doing that. That's stupid. Somebody say amen. So it's swinging back, and I thank God for it. You ought to give God some praise for that. That's why we're going to put a lot of our money in reaching out to young people. Because old people have gone crazy. Act like they ain't got no home training. Your mama didn't bring you up like that. You, you, you didn't learn that in church. You didn't learn that in Sunday school. Why, why did you leave? How you were raised? So lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes is part of it. So we talked a lot about the lust of the flesh. We talked about the, 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 the lust of the eyes. I want to get to this tonight, today, about the pride of life. I looked it up. What is the pride of life? Now, this is going to hit most of us. Because, see, it's not really about all that other stuff. But, but the pride of life, man, what is it? What is it? So the pride of life, I read it in a, a couple of different versions. Listen to this. 1 John 2, 16, it says they take pride in what they have and what they do. They're not overly sexual. They're not overly this or that. They're just proud about what they have, proud about what they do. Look at this other version. 1 John 2, 16, it says for... Uh, they have assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. The pride of life. And I want to challenge you today. Either you're getting closer to God or you're on your way away from God. There's no in between. Where are you? Are you as close to God and the things of God as you used to be? Did you used to be more faithful to church than you are now? I submit to you, it might be not because you're succumbing to the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eye. It might be because you've succumbed to this pride of life. I'm just proud of what I do and what I have. I'm proud about life in general. I want you to hear this. James 4.14 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. People do things because while we're living on top of this earth, even though we see people die every day, there's a pride in us that says, There's a pride in us that says, I got a long time to do this thing called life. Can I make a confession? You almost didn't have a pastor here this morning. Because on Christmas night, Christmas Eve, we were at our house, and uh, I, I think you live in a pretty nice neighborhood. You think? Okay. You can see that. Out there on the lake and whatnot, and you know, <laughs> you you spend extra money to live somewhere to get away from crazy people. It's just true. 
I mean, pretty much. You, you don't say crazy people stay out, but generally speaking, once it gets to a certain price point, you think people know how to act, right? So we're, we're in the bed. It's, it's, it's uh, Christmas Eve, and man, boom! It's right here. Boom! And it sounds like gunshots. And I've tolerated this from time to time a lot. But I don't know, something got on me that night. I was in my bed, in my pajamas, everything. I got up, changed clothes, went, got my gun um, box. I said, Gina, pray that I don't shoot somebody tonight. I thought it odd that she didn't even try to stop me. Good, I can get this insurance money. I don't know what she's thinking. But I stormed out the house, got in her car. It was the closest one in, in, in the driveway. And I drove around, and I, I'm praying. I'm asking God to help me go act crazy on I said, God, show me where these fools are. So he showed me, or somebody showed me. Five blocks down the street, it's some guys, a bunch of Hispanic guys and stuff, and they drinking cerveza, and they, they, they drunk, and they just popping, popping off the fuck. I'm talking about the big boys. And I drove my car, up, and they like, and I got out the car. I said, hey, man, I got my gun. Y'all going to have to go to sleep tonight. This don't make no sense. I stay five blocks away. People got children. Folks got to get up early in the morning. People wrapping presents trying to keep the kids asleep. Nobody said nothing. They backed up. So I drove away. I got back and laid in the bed. And I was like, oh God, what did I just do? Them guys could have had guns. I mean, they was drunk already. It was like 10 of them and one of me could have gotten in a fight. But there's something that rises up in us called pride. We figure we're invincible. But don't you know that your life is even a vapor? It's the pride of life. You know, people are, it's a nice sunny day. You know what people are doing? I, you know, we live on the lake. It's people, they done took their boat out this morning. That's the pride of life. People tell the pastor, oh, no, I won't be there this week. Uh, me and my family, we got a, a fishing trip. We'll be back in two weeks. That's the pride of life. I can't hear nobody. All the stuff we put before God, all the stuff that makes church and, 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 and being faithful to him optional, you know, church just becomes another thing that we can do when we don't have anything else to do. But, but, but life is but a vapor. But here's what I want to submit to you. We preached this uh, years ago at the beginning of the year, uh, living on the fly. Some of y'all remember that message. And fly stood for first last year. What if this was your last year alive? What would you do? You know, uh, even a lot of older people, you know, I heard Bill Cosby used to use that joke. He said, he said, old people, they're just being nice because they're trying to get to heaven now. Because they realize that their life 
is coming to an end. Somebody say amen. What would you do if you had a year, if you had a year, if, if all you, you knew all you had left was a year? Christian people, would you be missing church? I, I, let, 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 me hear, let me hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm, I don't hear nobody. Listen to this. <laughs> if you had one year to live, here are some things that I would say that you needed to do. Look at uh, Psalms 39, talking about our life. You've made my days here a hand breath. The span of my years is nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. We figure like we got a lot of time, Vanessa. We can do this, we can do that. And a lot of the reason why we don't serve God like we do is because we're pursuing other things. But if you knew that this was your last year alive, coming up in 2024, how would that change priorities? The Bible says our life is but a breath. Look at Psalm 78, 39. He remembered that we were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. Our life is as a passing breeze. You ever felt a breeze? Did you feel it the second time? No, it's come back. That's how the Bible says our, how short our life is. And yet we have this pride about living. We go off on people. We have road rage. I guess I had sleep rage the other day. We have, we go off on our loved ones as if we're going to, we know we're going to see them again. As we're walking out the door, cussing and fussing them out. That might have been your last time you talked to them. Because life is like a passing breeze that does not return. Hmm. What would you do on your last year? And I challenge you that this year to live it like it's your last year. Live it like it's your first last year alive and see how you would change some things. Number one, I would, number one, express love and appreciation to the ones that matter most daily. Express love and appreciation to those that matter most daily. Hebrews 3.13, it says, but exhort one another while it is still called today. Exhort one another daily. Exhort, exhort one another daily while it is still called today. Let's send you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort, encourage one another. Express love and appreciation for those that you care about daily. Uh-huh. Now, you know, we're a multicultural church. Y'all been to Hispanic funerals, been to a couple Caucasian funerals, but y'all, nobody cuts you out like the black funeral. You know, white funeral is. Black oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I love it. But the people who do that the most, you know who they are? They're the guilty people. When they were calling all the sisters and brothers in to help out and take shifts at the hospital for mom and grandmama, they never showed up. Take it for granted. 
Hello? That they would see them again, and then all of a sudden, mom and daddy gone, and they weren't there. So now, they're going to act the fool at the funeral. No, express love and appreciation to the ones that matter daily. Daily. It was so funny, you know. I had a lot of things on my mind. It's correct. I just retired. We just gonna stay, you know. And when I got there, as soon as we got off the plane, we get to the resort, and it's some kind of uh, like a V-shaped thing where they, where they do money. It's called Gina over there. And when you got off, the sign said everyone went and said connect with Gina, connect with Gina, connect with Gina. That was the sign of billboards everywhere. I said, Lord, you trying to tell me something? Yes. Connect with Jesus. Every day, express your appreciation and love. Amen. Come on, Dan, you 32 years for all your marriages. Hello? Know what your flaws look like when they're not clean. You ought to express. So Thanksgiving every day. Express a love and appreciation every day. Number two, warn those who you see going wrong. I mean, you think about it. Sometimes you're at the plane and you're in the front and you say, oh, I want to talk about that. Maybe I'll talk to them next week. What if you only have one week? Would you talk to them? Would you warn them? Would you tell them, hey, you're going to regret this. Would you talk to them? Listen. Over in Luke chapter 16, I want to say this in my church. You know this is my church. And I, I know people, sometimes people walk out, then somebody come out and walk back in. But, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm church people over here. So let, let's, let's do another test. You know hell is a real place. It is. It is. And if you're a Christian and you believe that, why are you not telling your loved ones? Hello? Why are you not telling your loved ones? This is not an allegorical story. Because Jesus told parables, and he would say all the time, the kingdom of heaven is like. But on this one, he did not say. He said there was a man, a certain man, when he started this, uh, this whole account. But he said, look at, look at verse uh, 23. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, the rich man, being in torment, seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in the bosom. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And sent Lazarus, didn't mean dip his, his tip of his finger in water, didn't mean cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in the flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime, 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 you have a time for your life. You got it? You receive good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforting you and tormenting. And besides this, between us there's a great gulf fixed so that they which will pass from here cannot, neither can they pass to us that will come from there. Then he said, listen to what he said. I pray thee therefore, Father that you would send him to my father's house. I have five brothers that he may testify or warn them not to come to this place. If I had 12 months to live, would you go back and warn all your family, friends, and neighbors about eternity? 
I know I would. Number three, and we're almost done. Encourage those who are discouraged. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 through 15. It says, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man. But ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Yeah. Encourage those that are discouraged. Why don't you spend your year doing that? All right? So I'm exhorting and appreciating those people that I'm close to every day. Number two, I'm warning those. I'm not avoiding uncomfortable conversations. I'm praying for the right thing to say. But I'm going to confront because time may run out. Number three, I'm going to encourage those that might be discouraged. You never know, even at the workplace or wherever, just an encouraging word, how to uplift somebody. In a store, just, you know, telling somebody, you know, you like that smile. Or, Thank you for good service. You never know how it will uplift somebody and help somebody. And number four, here's the biggie. Empty all of your knowledge into someone who will be less. If you only have one year, you should empty everything you know into someone who's going to remain blessed. It's called mentorship. Who are you mentoring? Who's mentoring you? 2 Timothy 2.2, 2 says, And the things that thou have heard among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Real leaders make themselves unnecessary. Great leaders measure their success by their absence. If you leave today, if you die this year, does everything die with you? Does your business die with you? All your knowledge, does it die with you? Or do you have a legacy? What happens in your absence is your legacy, good or bad. If everything you've done dies with you, you're a failure. Success without a successor is a failure. Real leaders don't invest in buildings, programs, or projects. We invest in people. So it's our goal to die empty. Reproduce yourself. Reproduce your vision. Your protege is the person who needs, who heeds you, not just the person that needs you. A protege is someone who hears you, <coughs> who's not only somebody who hears you, but someone who actually listens. Here's my last point. <laughs> I love this. God uses experience to teach fools too stubborn and rebellious to sit at a foot of a mentor. Find that person. Especially if you're older. You're 40, 50. Find a person that you can pour into. Because remember, our life is but a vapor. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're done. I ask you today, are you getting closer to God? Are you moving away from God? 
Have you ever been closer to God than you are now? More committed to the work of God than you are now? Oh, God. You're at a church. We're recruiting. (laughs) We need more people to get involved in ministry. And all the things that he's called us to do. The unwed mother's home that we're going to have. The daycare, the summer camp, the before and after school, the tutorial program, all of that stuff. Reaching out to the nursing home, preaching in the prisons. Here's my question to you. Are you willing to make a deeper commitment this year? Number one, I want to give my life to Christ. I'm not born again. I want to be saved. I don't know God, but I want to know him. If that's you, let me see your hand. Number two, I want to come back to God. I used to be closer to God than I am now. I'm returning back. If that's you, let me see. Number three, Pastor, I see you. Number three, I want to join this church. I'm joining this ministry because I believe in what you're doing. I want to commit my life to the local church. And if this is my last year, I'm going to live it out before God. I'm going to live it committed to missions and committed to ministry. If that's you, let me see you. That's what I'm doing today. Hallelujah. My God. Everybody stand on your feet. I saw some response, but this is what I'm going to tell you. If you're serious about it, come to the altar. 